Hey everyone, welcome to Pieces of You, a show about life through the lens of four fierce and resilient women who lost their moms too damn soon. Each episode will feature stories to inspire hope, healing, and connection. Because if we work together, we can make the broken better. Hey everyone, this is Christine. I am so excited to be with you here today to talk about self-care. Before we get started, I want to mention that this episode contains a content warning related to the topic of mother loss. Please check the show notes for a more detailed description. How is everyone doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited for this episode. I also think I'm terrible at self-care, so I'm kind of intimidated by this episode, but I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from all of you, so I'm excited about that. Yes, that's a great way to frame it. We're going to learn from each other today. I'm so excited to talk about self-care because I love (laughs) self-care. I think it's really easy. We were just talking about this to fall into like cliched kind of definitions or ideas of what self-care means. And I think I actually embody a lot of those. So I'm really excited to hear about other people's definitions of self-care and the diverse ways that can look. I'm doing pretty well. I feel like I'm primed for this episode because I I just spent the weekend at my cousin's wedding, which was really nice. So happy for her. But like with a lot of the other family dynamics happening and just the stressfulness, I spent the entire weekend going in and out of like grounding techniques and (laughs) trying to find space for some self-care, especially in a physical sense, because that's what I usually need. So I feel like I'm primed for this episode. (laughs) Yes. Good. Good. So I have a couple of surprises for you and our listeners today. First, I want to share that at the end of this episode, we are going to be offering a giveaway to our subscribers. So you'll want to stay with us to not only hear our great content, but to learn about how you can win a special box of self-care items curated by the four of us. (gasps) Yes. <laughs> and secondly, we are going to start with an act of self-care. It's one of my favorite ways to start the day. So I'm wondering, does anyone have a guess about what it is? Meditation. Definitely a meditation. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Okay. So I've used this meditation many times before at the beginning of workshops. So actually, perhaps you, the, the three of you may have even done this with me before. I'm not sure. And for sure, some of our listeners, if you are a part of She Climbs Mountains, you may have experienced this meditation before. Regardless, this is a really special meditation to me, and I'm excited to invite you, the three of you and our listeners, to join me now. Okay, so get comfortable. Today's self-love meditation will help you shower yourself with love, without conditions, without limits. Let the love wash over you. You are an amazing human of light, just the way you are right now. You do not need to be anything more or do anything more to be worthy of your love. You simply must receive the love you deserve. 
The intention of today's self-love meditation is to shower yourself with love, without conditions, without limits, and with an immense amount of grace and tenderness. So let's begin. Let yourself settle, inviting your body to relax into a comfortable position. Close your eyes and let yourself turn inward, hearing the soft songs of your breathing in your nose and out your nose, breathing in and breathing out, feeling the rise and fall of your chest as you inhale and exhale. Relax into this self-love meditation. Notice your body releasing any tension it may feel in your shoulders, your jaw, your arms, your chest, your legs, your hands, and your feet, and feel yourself settle in deeper into comfort, deeper into relaxation as you open yourself. Imagine with me that you're standing in a patch of soft green grass. You're alone, safe. You can smell the fresh scent of flowers and earth all around you and feel the sun warming your skin. You stand here in this safe space and the air feels marvelous as it dances with your skin. Take a deep breath in, letting the fresh air fill your chest and expand your belly. And as you exhale, let yourself relax a little deeper into this meditation. You see the clouds slowly roll in and feel little droplets of rain starting to hit your skin. The raindrops are just a little cool and so refreshing. You let your head fall back, your arms stretch out to the side, sink into this self-love meditation and open yourself to receive the rain. And as you feel the raindrops on your body, let yourself receive the words you hear within you and from this meditation. Let them shower you with love, just like the raindrops. I love you. You are extraordinary. I love your body. I love your laugh. I love your tears. I love your ambition. I love your desire for ease. I love your ideas. I love your kind heart. I love your mistakes. I love you in your pain. I love you in your grief. I love everything about you. As you constantly evolve, shedding old habits, attitudes, or characteristics that no longer serve you, and healing and growing in ways that do serve you, I love you just the way you are. Here you are, beautifully imperfect and covered in raindrops of your own love, you are worthy of every word, every drop, just the way you are. You are loved. So I'll just ask you all to take a, another moment or so to return to our space together. Thank you so much for joining me in that exercise. How did that feel to all of you? It felt good to breathe. Like I was really intentionally breathing. I mean, I think I was in and out of listening to what you were actually saying, but I just was like, just keep breathing. 
Mm, I love that. And that actually felt good because I think breathing can heal so many things. Um, And it also then made me think that I should probably do more of those. I don't even know if I want to call it meditation. Mm -hmm. Just breathing exercises. I'm having a hard time coming back (laughs) into this space. That was so nice. I feel like I have such a vivid imagination and... I wonder if it's because part of it is because I lost my mom when I was so young that like, I feel like that I was like, a part of me was crystallized at that age. Like my four and a half year old identity is still so like, (laughs) so strong. And she was so, so imaginative. And as I'm sure we all were at that age and I can just see, I could see and feel the love that you were describing in that meditation so strongly and it felt really good and it it was very emotional and it's really hard to come out of that and not be feeling it as strongly. Mm. I really love those images too. The rain feels so good to me, that Mm. image. Um, Like being kissed by the rain, you know, and like that's a, a way to um, describe loving yourself. I just, well, I'm sorry I brought you back so soon, Sarah, but we got to get to it, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It was needed. So needed. As soon as this podcast started, my cat like jumped on my lap and he's still here. And I just think it's funny because I'm like, well, Einstein was like, well, you can't do self-care without me. Um <laughs> He was with a babysitter all weekend, so he missed me. But also he was just, he was like climbing all over me and like during the meditation and just snuggling really hard. And I I think it was, it's, it's a good reminder in that moment that meditation doesn't have to be completely silent or completely still or this perfect image of what we have, because um, there are perfect. perfect. <laughs> um, there are distractions, and there is movement all around, and there is chaos in our lives, and that's all okay. And it can exist at the same time. We can be mm-hmm. in the present moment while this is happening. Um, and sometimes that's actually the goal is of meditation is to kind of do that and be present and be in that space with yourself while this is happening. Mm-hmm. So that was like a nice reminder. But also it was like a self-love meditation. And like Einstein was just like, I just love you so much. I got to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on top of you right now. So, yeah. And I have heard that like cats, like the purrs, the purring of cats is like that uh, vibration is really healing. Mm-hmm. The, the frequency or the energy, I don't know mm-hmm. enough about it. To each other too, um, like oh. as kittens or like uh, to like their their mother, like it's kind of this way of like mm. communication between them. Um, oh. And I've I've had I've had him since he was a kitten, and I think they're he's probably taken away too early, so he does. He, he lays on me and there's so much of that, like that, that connection, that communication kind of that, like I'm the mom. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Oh, I just, I just really awesome. think that that was like, so like perfect that he was just like doing that during the meditation. So I thought that was really, yeah, he was, he was definitely called down here. He said, I know what's happening. 
I do think animals have a sense for sure in a, in a different way than we as humans do, or at least humans don't pay attention to it the way that we should. So I'm, I'm imagining that also he was like, I feel what you're doing. I'm in on that. Right. Yeah. I feel you. <laughs> Finally. He's like, you're on my level. <laughs> So I have honestly been really nervous sighted about this episode. It has felt somewhat humorous and a lot ironic to me that out of the four of us, I chose to take on this topic because of the fact that I don't think I'm very good at self-care. Or at least I think the three of you are more intentional about self-care and utilize more self-care tools than I do, but I am working on it. I think for a long time, I didn't offer this to myself in large part because I created a story that there wasn't the time or resources to make this happen for me. But now I'm really learning to reframe that and what self-care is to me. So it doesn't have to mean many hours or dollars spent. It doesn't have to be something I feel bad about if I don't carve out the time to do it or if I don't accomplish it each day. I think it's, for me right now, just simple acts, right? Like the meditation I just shared with all of you. So one of my favorite psychologists, Dr. Nicola Perra, the.holistic.psychologist, she recently shared several posts about self-care, and one in particular in the context of the relationship with our mothers, as I read this, I was like, ding, 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 ding. Uh, obviously, considering the impact of the early loss of our moms, it makes sense to me that we start here. So she writes, this last week she posted this, prioritize self-care. Our mothers model self-care for us as children. Many of our mothers didn't know how to meet their own needs, which means we need to begin to learn how to meet our own this really resonated with me. Forever, when I would think about my mom, I would say she was the most giving person and sometimes to the detriment to herself. And I said this from a very early age after she died. Uh, I was aware of this. I wasn't aware of how I completely have repeated those patterns until more recently. Uh, but I'm wondering what this feels like for all of you to consider this, that our mothers model self-care for us as children. That actually gives me anxiety because mm. now I'm thinking me as a mother and mm. that I'm modeling self-care. And I'm like, what am I doing for myself that my kids see yeah. me doing for self-care? But as we're, you know, in the last like 10 minutes of this episode and processing, I actually realized that I do do more <laughs> self-care acts. It's just not as woo-woo-y as I imagine in my head, you know, like thinking it has to be yoga or it has to be a meditation or whatever it is. But I definitely do things that are self-care to me. And I think my mom did too, like laying in the sun was self-care for her mm. or going shopping. Like she loved shopping. And I think to me, self-care is anything that brings you joy. I'll just share like my initial reaction to that was, you know, in the absence of my mom mm -hmm. for so much of my mm -hmm. life, I looked to so many other people to that, you know, not consciously. I wasn't like, you know, taking notes, you know, like this is how I self-care. But I'm realizing 
you know, all the different messages I absorbed growing up from the various people who influenced my idea of what it meant to take care of oneself or lack thereof. I think it's important to to reflect on how this looked for us as children. And I know, Sarah, you not having your mom, you know, since you were four and a half, it's a little different. It wasn't modeled for you for very long. And, and what was modeled for you, you likely don't remember. But I do think that there is really something essential about what we experience from that main model, from that that caregiver and the patterns that we unconsciously repeat because that's who we believe we're, we're supposed to be in this world. Erin, do you have, I mean, what was your experience with your mom? Hearing you guys talk about it, I'm not really sure I've ever thought about this concept, like what that looked like or if it was modeled. So my mom having to be a single mom for my whole life I think like the self-care showed up differently for her. And Sarah, when you were talking about this like need and oftentimes mostly a female sacrificing for the family, she was the only one to do that. So she had to, she had to sacrifice so much, Mm -hmm. um, including self-care, including any time for herself. And she had to, because she was the only one. There was no one else to do it, um, to raise me, to spend all her time with me to make sure I was taken care of. I don't really think there was a lot of it because she never had the space to, because that was the circumstances of her being a single mother. And I think as I got older, I didn't see it in the time, but I see it now as I think as I got older and more independent and I mean, I've been helping with chores and things like that around the house at a very young age. Um, But as I took on more of that, there was space then for her to do self-care or just to not constantly do everything all the time because she had to do everything all the time. Mm -hmm. Even things as little as like her not having to worry about doing the dishes every single day, like she could come home from work and I had them done. And as a teenager, I don't think I ever, I mean, in the moment I was like, oh, I have to do the dishes before I go hang out with my friends or things like that. <laughs> Obviously, because you're, you're a preteen, you're a teenager, you, you don't have to worry about it. But I, I had been helping with everything like that at a very young age. And it was instilled in me of like, everyone helps out with the household because we both live here and we both need to take care of the space. And those responsibilities grew as I got older and I see how it helped my mom to just have five minutes to just not be doing something that was working. Um, Or, you know, I got, I got my first job when I was 15 at a local deli in town. And so like, you know, she'd text me and be like, Hey, like, do you want to just bring dinner home? you know, so she didn't have to cook Mm -hmm. and it was Mm -hmm. nice. And then she just didn't have to worry about it. Like that was an act of self-care. Yeah. That was an act of self-care. And it was those things that were so little and like seemingly mundane, but I think about it now and I think about how many years she had to constantly be doing everything all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how those little things probably just made all the difference Mm -hmm. in those moments to her. Mm -hmm. And I think there's other things like she was always really 
adamant about like setting boundaries. Like, well, if you don't want to go do this, then don't do it. If you need some alone time, then take it. Rest was always important. You know, she would always be like, no, on Sundays, we don't really do anything. That's like a rest day. We can clean the house on Saturday, but like, I don't want to have to worry about it. Like she was very adamant about Mm -hmm. like resting periods. And I think that that is something that I take with me now too, of like, sometimes it's a struggle, but knowing that, okay, me taking a break and me actively resting, I like think back to that and remember, oh, I remember doing that like with my mom and Mm -hmm. that is okay. Says this person who was the most important person in my life for so long. So yeah, (laughs) I love that. I love that. It feels like she did a really good job of modeling what it should be be for you. That's, that's amazing. Probably sometimes I think, I think sometimes maybe not. She was very much like overworking and, you know, she'd get frustrated. Um, but I think she tried, I think, (laughs) I think she tried her best, especially as I got older because there was actually space for her to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I really remember this, it being, a other people valuing, my mother, because she was always showing up for everyone. And so I see now that that's where she pulled a lot of value for herself. And so I think saying no or setting boundaries or taking real care of herself was really hard for her because saying yes was... Uh, and not taking care of self, it made her feel like she was worthy of what I love, or I, I don't, I guess I don't know exactly. But like I said, when I look back at that time, I, I know that she cared for other people, again, to the detriment of herself. You know, I, there's an image of when we had moved and my mom was pretty sick. She had brain tumors at this point. She had been diagnosed with the brain tumors. Um, and there was someone at our church who was dying and she wanted to cook a meal for this family who's dying. And my mom, I mean, my mom was dying. My mom was dying and she, we cooked a meal together. I remember making, uh, I made pound cake. She made the meal and I made the pound cake and we brought it over to, to their house. That struck me even then. I was like, my mom is so sick right now, and we're bringing another family a meal. Wow. Wow. Well, did it make her feel good? Was that a way for her to self-care? No. I Again, I think it was no. I mean, yes, probably, but it was more based on, like, what other people were going to feel, not about what she Mm -hmm. felt. You know, she wanted to just constantly pour out. And and didn't take care of self the way she should have. So I guess I don't know, though. I can't speak for when you're dying, if you should or should not make someone a meal. But I would guess <laughs> I, may, I maybe won't want to do that <laughs> when I'm dying. Uh, so I do want to explore the ways in which each of us specifically show ourselves self-care. And I'm wondering if we can maybe start with like, our journeys of self-care, you know, if you remember when you became conscious of this or when you were intentional about self-care and maybe even, you know, especially related to grief, self-care can be essential or is essential. If you can even think back 
to that time. I know we were all really young. So I know for me, I was not intentionally trying to take care of myself. Um, But when was that shift or when was that awareness in place for you? And also, how does self-care look for you now? I just had like an immediate, like my, I'm just going to go with what my brain just immediately came up with, which was the first, because I was like, you know, going back through like my records and my brain, I'm like, self-care, self-care, like when did this begin? Because it's crazy because it's such a big part of my life now. And I really haven't reflected on where it started. And the earliest memory I have related to the intentional, it wasn't the word, maybe, I don't know if the if the phrase self-care was used specifically, but it was mental health day. I remember in high school, I think it was, being introduced to this idea of a mental mental health day. And... I'm like really curious how this even came about because it was like, I I didn't remember them existing when I was like, I don't know. I just remember sometimes people, like I had friends whose parents would like, you know, decide that like they could take a mental health day and they would spend the day, like usually with their mom doing something like, like relaxing or just nice. Like it didn't have to be, I remember it was confusing because it, they weren't sick. So, cause like when you're sick, you know, you're not allowed to like go out and like do fun stuff. So this was confusing. Cause it's like, you weren't like sick, but like you weren't well enough or like your parent agreed. You didn't need to go to school that day. You should be doing something else. So that kind of opened my mind up to this concept that, you know, you know, grownups agree there are other mm. ways to take care of ourselves or like that we can be spending the day sometimes other than going to school. And I just, I loved that. I thought that was so wonderful, not only because I didn't want to be going to school like every day, but because it just, it, it made sense to me. I took a lot of sick days as, um, well, it's funny because I would end up going to school, but I would get sent home for stomach aches and for not feeling well. And I feel like I, I've i talked about this in other episodes, but like I manifested, not intentionally, but like my body manifested all these physical symptoms as a result of me mentally not feeling well. And if I could have just had a freaking mental health day here and there, probably a lot more than here and there, like a lot, you know, regular mental health days or just more attention to those needs. You know, maybe I wouldn't have gotten as sick as I did or felt as sick. And a testament is to that is like the present version of me. I actually like recognize that a lot lately. I'm like, wow, I don't get nearly as sick as I used to. Like I don't feel as sick as I used to. I don't get headaches and stomach aches as much as I used to, um, even like in the past year, like Mm -hmm. I've noticed that shift really dramatically. And so I fully believe that like self-care and mental health days, you know, whatever that means, whatever that definition is, is so important. And how that shows up for me today is giving myself full permission to take mental health days, not saying it's like easy and I don't struggle with that that decision and feel like guilt around it occasionally. Like um, I'm not, you know, like in my job, for example, if I don't show up, like there are people who are 
disappointed and let down and will vocalize that to me. And they're in vulnerable positions too, like mental health wise, they're my clients. And so like, I feel a very real sense of like, like, I don't take it lightly to, I keep wanting to say abandon them because that's what it feels like. I know I'm not abandoning them, but it feels like I'm not showing up in the way that I need to be. So what I'm having to do and have been working on and getting better at is learning to show up for myself first and just recognizing when I can't show up for other people or maybe when it's I need to show up to myself for myself a little bit more. And that might mean I'm not going to be showing up for other people. Mm-hmm. And that's setting boundaries. Setting, setting boundaries. Boundaries. Setting boundaries. That's my mantra right now is setting boundaries are my greatest act of self-care right now. That's right now. I mean, it might shift, but. (laughs) I love it. I want to hear other ways because I know, Sarah, you're really good at the practice of self-care. I want to hear other specific ways that you do that. But I am curious to hear from Shadia or Aaron about your self-care journey or when awareness arose for you that this was essential or important to you? I definitely do self-care, but Sarah talking about Mental Health Day, which I know there's like a 10-year gap of us, I believe, um, in age-wise. And so truly mental health didn't come up until I was in my 30s, like didn't become this prevalent conversation. So up until that point, like I didn't grow up with a mental health day or self-care or, I mean, that just did not, I mean, it probably did exist. It just, there weren't words that attached itself to it. And there certainly was not like you are off from school for a mental health day. Like that did not, not exist when I was growing up. So I definitely have more of a, I have a hard time with self-care because that means that I'm kind of like giving up things that I can do for other people and for my family, for myself, which I know isn't right. But, um, and, th- and there's only so much time um, in the day. And I'm a really highly productive person. And within that productivity should include self-care, but it really doesn't too often. And that's just how I'm wired. I, it's not right or wrong. It's just who I am. But um, I feel like when I realized I needed self-care was it always comes up with kids um, that there was just like no time for me. So I feel like like one of the first things I started doing were getting nails, getting my own nails done because I could go and sit somewhere and not speak to anybody and just feel pretty afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually did get uh, during the pandemic. I didn't get them done, but I just finally got them done again. And they're green and lovely. They look okay. beautiful. Yeah, thank you, color. thank yeah. you. But I also take walks. I try to take walks every day, like long walks. That really helps me just like clear my head and feel healthier. Um, And I get angry if I can't do that. Also, organizing really is like, I love organizing. And, you know, that show Home Edit, I'm obsessed with it. And so like even getting containers to organize stuff, damn it, that brings me joy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like those are kind of some of the main things that I do uh, for my own self-care. 
And I'm trying to incorporate it more with my kids. Like one of my kids was just having an off day and she didn't want to go to gymnastics. And she does like hours and hours of gymnastics a week. And she was like, I don't want to go. And again, I grew up like where the mentality of you signed up for this, you're going. Like that's just how this works. And I still do have that mentality a little bit, but I was just like, it's one day. She's okay. And I was like, yep, that's fine. You can skip. But like also reminding her, like you did, you committed yourself to this and Todd can show up. (laughs) (laughs) It's very rigid. It's very rigid. I mean, it is, but I I do feel like that. Like that is my mentality. If you Mm -hmm. sign up and commit yourself to something and like letting other people down um, without communication is not not like not an option mm-hmm. for me or for mm-hmm. my family to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it sounds rigid, but that's just how I'm wired. It makes me think, though, you know, if she was physically ill, you would no problem say you don't have to go, right? But she was obviously communicating this this emotional need that needed to be met, and I I feel like. I, I love how you showed up, even though maybe it wasn't super comfortable for you, but to say, yeah, I, essentially, I'm going to give you your mental health day <laughs> from yep. gymnastics. Yeah. And I think it is hard to acknowledge the that emotional, spiritual aspect because it's not tangible in the same way uh, that physical needs are, how physical needs can manifest so when yeah. we can when we can honor that and and again, that is absolutely. Uh, example of self-care showing her that yeah you can you can do this for yourself and but we're gonna circle back because you're a top kid (laughs) (laughs) I mean I probably do sound rigid but yeah well and that's such a I guess I want to point out that I think self-care like the ultimate best self-care is like a balance an ever-evolving balance of this like more rigid kind of like perseverance kind of, I mean, you know, always, you know, never give up because you, you don't want to, you know, don't give up. But <laughs> then mm-hmm. there's also the, you need the flexibility yes. and the ability to adapt and to like let go of maybe expectations. And and I had both modeled to me to the extremes. And so it's like finding, again, like that balance of both. Cause like I can be super, super hard on myself and be like, you show up, you show up. And if you don't, you're a failure all the way up to, you know what? I don't need to show up. I'm fine. You know, it's okay. Like, you know, I, and not saying it's not okay to be like depressed, but like I have allowed myself to kind of like, I really, and I, I really dislike the phrase excuses. Cause I hear people say like, come up with excuses, you know, for like laying around or like not showing up, you know, like in your case, Shadia, you're saying like, it's really important to you. You communicate to the people, mm-hmm. you know, that you were, ex- you know, that were expecting you to show up. And I guess I'm saying if I feel like I had a valid enough reason in my case to not show up, I guess communication is extremely important, like if possible, but I am learning to more so focus on my needs and like worry less about, and again, this is where it's like, I need to maybe get better at this, but worry less about the impact that might have on other people. And so again, I'm saying there's, you don't want too much of that because that hurts relationships. And then you're not showing up and you, it's even showed up in the production of this podcast. Like 
literally I have allowed things to get down to the last minute, you know, with like submitting things because of my own anxiety. And then I just kind of like brush it off as like, I I give myself permission a lot. I'm really good at giving myself permission, you know, to be like, it's okay, Sarah, you're really stressed. You've had a lot going on, but having, you know, you all give me your honest feedback and reaction of like, this is stressful. Like when this happens, like, and coming from a place of love, like that has actually allowed me to change my behavior Mm. in a way and to work on that more. So yeah, self-care is crazy. Mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge the word flexibility. I love that word especially in the context of rigidity, right? You can have both the duality of both at the same time. We have these expectations of ourselves to do X, Y, and Z, but then this need to also have flexibility within that. So much of this is cultural too. And I really think, my goodness, we need to acknowledge- 100%, yes. How, where we live and how this shows up for us as a culture and- it's super intense. What does success mean? And, you know, and then even what does self-care mean? I mean, it's almost like there's like a very specific definition of even how that looks. And like I said earlier on, you know, I think a long for a long time, I was like, it has to be X amount of time and it has to cost X amount of money. And, and the reality is it doesn't mm-hmm. have to, it can be five minutes and it costs nothing except time with myself breathing. So it's also reframing what self-care actually is for each of us as individuals. Erin, I'd love to know your thoughts. Well, and hearing you guys talk about this, and I, I was thinking of this, especially Shadia, when you were talking about this circumstance with your daughter and this not and this kind of like, I'm, I'm going to put quotes around it, rigid thinking yeah. that we're talking. I think quotes is necessary, but like, I think that it's really important to also understand like the generational so we're talking about culture, how it's ingrained yeah. in us in culture, but specifically with our families and with the generational things, trauma, like whatever that get yeah. passed down, because that was also instilled in me. That was something my mom had a hard time. Well, I know that she's trying to communicate something with me, but you committed and we have to follow through. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that differentiating between the two, just letting something slide and saying, well, I don't give a shit about it. That's where the communication piece comes in and feeling safe enough, having a safe space to communicate. I don't feel well. This isn't an excuse, but I'm really freaking out or I'm really struggling. The Mm. safe space is important to be able to communicate that. And so Mm -hmm. the safe space and the communication, because that's important, but it's important to be modeling how to recognize that in your own body to our kids yeah, and to ourselves, you know? And, um, and yes, I, like I, I struggle with that too, with myself of this rigid, no, I have to show up. I have to follow through because mm-hmm. I committed to this mm-hmm. and it is a struggle to balance that follow through, but how can I communicate this? But what if they take it as an excuse, but also, it's not an excuse, but I don't have to sit here and justify it to mm-hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. So there's all of these things happening. And I experience all of those all the time. 
And it's something that, you know, I wonder, you know, if and when I have kids, how's that going to show up? How am I going to break these generational rigid thinking standards? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to perpetuate this rigid thinking of not listening to your body, not communicating, just following through blindly with this obligation, not taking care of yourself. And I think my mom struggled with that with me of how she had to show up in the world and how to model that for me. And so I feel confusion about that. Mm-hmm. I think what we're talking about is like kind of trying to break these generational habits yeah. that we have within our culture, within our own families, within ourselves. That's something that I think about all the time, yeah. not just with self-care, but with a lot of the other topics that we've talked about, trying to break these these bad almost toxic generational habits that we have that have been passed on to us and modeled for us. I didn't actually start thinking about that or being intentional with self-care until after my abusive relationship in my early twenties, I got to a point where I realized I was like, I don't know who the hell I am anymore. I don't know. I had, I had lost so much of a sense of myself. It was alarming to me. It was alarming to me. And so leaving that and trying to break those connections and move on to making connections with myself, that was when I started being intentional with self-care. Because after my mom died, it was a lot of, it was a lot of toxic things, a lot of um, really poor coping mechanisms and things like that. Just a lot of numbing and then continued through my relationships But that abusive relationship was a catalyst for me to actually start thinking about self-care and being intentional with it. And now it's to a point where, again, like I'm really trying to think about these generational habits and these obligations versus Mm self-care. And what does that look like? And how do we balance that? And how do I, how do I break those Mm -hmm. habits and transform them into this balance that we're talking about? Mm -hmm because it is so ingrained in our culture and within our family structures, I think too. I just wanted to say in reaction to what I also said is that I agree it is wholeheartedly a balance situation. And I will admit that when I sent her coach a note, I was like, not to say a shame, but I was like, I know she should be there. Like I get it like in my head or whatever. Her coach did not give two shits. She was like, yeah, do it. So it's like my my feeling of how other people are going to react yes. as well. But then here's what I think everybody needs to, what I've realized in saying no to things or I can't meet that deadline or like whatever it may be, is that if you are honest with what's going on in your life versus just not responding, right? Like, again, going back to communicating, if you say, listen, there's some personal things that have come up or I'm having a hard day. People are so reasonable and generally. And if they're not, then I don't need them in my life, really. Yeah. But I feel like people are reasonable and they respect mental health way more now than they ever did before. And so I just always need to remind myself mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. when it comes to you know creating my own balance. I think it's really vulnerable, too, for a lot of people to say... I'm struggling today. In my work life, for example, I still struggle with knowing how much to like share with my uh, like supervisor or whoever I'm like, you know, calling into. And now I'm just like, 
you know, I have to trust that people are going to trust me. Like, I think it all kind of comes back to trust. It's like, if I trust my decision to show up for myself and whatever, however that looks, whether that's not showing up for someone else by like, you know, staying home and staying in bed, I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to have to trust that people will trust that that is the best decision. And like you're saying, Shadia, if they don't have a, you know, a positive response to that, I might not necessarily like discard them immediately, but I will like take note, you know, okay, this is how you react when I'm taking care of myself. I really feel this is part of self-care too, not attaching yourself to other people's thoughts or opinions about where you know that you're at. That's a really amazing so hard. gift and act of self-care for yourself. Yep. I also, I have to circle back to what Aaron brought up about breaking generational patterns. And so much of what self-care has been for me recently is 100% tied to that. You know, watching my mother specifically in her marriage to my father, I would say pursuing a divorce, which is one of the most challenging and grief-filled experiences that I've ever had. It also is one of the greatest acts of self-care for myself. And I see how really my my relationship uh, mirrored my parents. And I feel like I have, I'm breaking a generational pattern here. And I want to say so much of that was motivated by having children and knowing that if I didn't make a change, I would likely be perpetuating this pattern. My children would continue on in the same way. Now, my oldest is 15. You know, damn, I waited a long time. Is it too late? I don't know. I hope not. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and, you know, the awesome thing about my relationship with my kids is that we talk about stuff like this. So, you know, even co- having a conversation hopefully is useful. Uh, but really, Again, uh, you know, setting boundaries for myself, saying I am worthy of something better. Just this, it's been critical in in my journey. And that really brings me to wanting to read something else that Dr. LaPera recently posted. She talks about the relationship with yourself. And so obviously the care you show yourself impacts all aspects of who you are, your physical, cognitive, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And she states, the relationship you have with yourself is the most significant relationship you'll ever have. She goes on to say, it impacts every other relationship you have. And if your relationship with yourself is not secure, you will struggle to trust yourself and doubt your own self-worth, which will impact how you are able to receive another person's love. Finally, she says, people love others in the way they have learned to love themselves. I've been personally (laughs) attacked. (laughs) I've been personally attacked and I'm feeling about it. I honestly, I think this, because we're talking about generations, you know, so age, we're talking about, we've talked about gender, you know, in terms of like, you know, how that plays into self-care. And I don't think we talk specifically too much about like religion, but I know like that Mm -hmm. 
also plays a role. And I feel like race has is something that like should be acknowledged too, you know, in the conversation. I don't, mm. you know, yes. I know even we're recognizing that like, you know, it took our parents weren't really given permission or space, it sounds like, to explore like what self-care can really look like and mean. They're all white. And like I know, you know, we're we're living in a time right now where we're really like starting to see this more, you know, as white people seeing this, how hard it's been for, you know, people of color to be able to even like be able to have like love, let alone care for their skin and themselves because of how they've been treated. Mm-hmm. That generational trauma that they're yeah. carrying with them. Yeah. And even to think about it, you know, for your own like cultural heritage, like in my case, I have, you know, Jewish heritage and I know there's a lot of like oppression and hate like wrapped up generationally. I, I don't know where my personal like insecurities and self neglect tendencies, I guess if we're saying like the opposite of self-care. So like that disconnect we have from our bodies, I guess I'm realizing, I think that trauma might be the place where self-care is and was lost like at some point. Cause I think like, if you look back at like the beginning of time, you know, it's like self-care is like just meeting, meeting our basic needs you know, at whatever level that is. And we're at a point in society where it's like, we want to figure out like our purpose, you know, at least in our society, you know, we're beyond survival. We're like trying to like thrive and like contribute and make the world a better place. I really like what you just said. Trauma is the point in which Mm self-care is lost. Yeah, that was powerful. Jesus Christ. (laughs) 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 Because it creates this disconnect from your body and mind out of survival, you know, like you Mm -hmm. have to disconnect and self-care is essentially like coming back to yourself and like reconnecting. Mm -hmm. And we live in a society that like really for a long time has, we've been forced to disconnect and encouraged to disconnect. Mm -hmm. I kind of like the fact that it's becoming like trendy, you know, in some (laughs) ways to reconnect. But my fear is that it's, misguided, you know, it's like lost Mm -hmm. in these notions of, you know, materialism Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, productivity, you know, like what that has to look like. I also really appreciate you acknowledging that this can be a concept that sits in a place of privilege. Right. And I want to be really conscious of that and also grateful for the opportunity to be able to be intentional about this work. And then maybe also how do we cultivate space for everyone to get here and take care of ourselves in this way? Like, you know, you know, almost making it like a community effort, right? It, self-care is about self, right? But that we should be conscious of our communities having access to that in the same way we do. Hmm. I think it's thinking about big- this. Yeah. And I think a big part of it, because like we ask ourselves a lot as, you know, as, as a white person, I'm asking myself a lot, like, what can I do, you know, to, Mm -hmm. and I think in this context, especially it's like self-care, like literally like take care of yourself, like reconnect with your pain, 
in a way. Like, I think that is asking a lot and that is the best thing we can do because the more we can sit in our own pain, the more we can really recognize and acknowledge the pain of other people's experience. Cause I think it's like impossible for, I keep saying us. And when I say us, I, I am speaking like as the collective, like white people, um, like, I think it's really easy for us to like reject or disconnect or not want to, or not be able to even feel or empathize or, you know, literally like to humanize like the experiences that people around us are having just because they have, you know, darker skin or look different. Mm. And the more we can reconnect with our own pain, I think we can start to really see what's happening around us. And then, you know, there's plenty that can be done from there. I think what it brings me back to, though, again, is that self-care is this is this concept of, you know, you're you're creating this relationship with yourself that is essential for all relationships that you're going to have outside of yourself and and loving yourself and caring for yourself is the most important job and most important relationship that you need to focus on in order to have the love and connection that you want with other people. (laughs) And I want to offer this to everyone because I think we have this concept of self-care that, that we don't always consider. And I think all of us have really touched on what it it, it can mean to us, but I want to highlight what Dr. Nicole says. So she says, keep one small promise to yourself every day. Spend 10 minutes a day doing something just for you, guilt-free. Learn your attachment style. Sarah, makes me think about you. Begin to meet your inner child. She has a really awesome inner child meditation, by the way, that has, every time I do it, brings me to tears. It's amazing. Uh, It takes me to a really amazing place. And I feel like there's been some healing for me in that. So I I suggest that. I'll suggest that. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Begin to become conscious of your needs. Journal them. Explore them. And start practicing and setting boundaries. So I, I love all of those suggestions. And I'll, I'll just say for myself, I've been having a practice of meditating for 10 minutes every morning using the Calm app. Love that app. I know there are many other places you can go for meditation, but that's just a really simple way to do it. And then journaling, um, actually using Dr. Nicole's <laughs> self. What is it? What is it? Um, Future future self. self, Future self journaling. So I'll offer you that. Also, I drink a lot of water. And I feel like that's an amazing act of self-care for me. I'm just going to offer a quick one. Yeah. Real quick self-care hack. Soaking your feet in a warm, like, uh, I actually use, I want to invest in a nicer one. I've been using like a Home Depot, like paint tub paint bucket (laughs) but uh filling it up with some hot water and some epsom salt or like the mineral salts that have the oh the magnesium in it that's what it is that like really it's relaxing and lavender and you can just put it under like i'll put under my desk while i'm working and it's just like transported to a spa Smart. Oh my gosh, I'm doing that today, girl. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, every day, every day. When I when I know there's gonna be like something I'm really like not looking forward to, I'm like foot soak. <sighs> my gosh. 
gosh, mind blown with you. <laughs> I'm going to continue working on my breathing. Mm. I mean, just to have, even if it's five minutes of just consecutive breathing, that's, that's it. That's all I'm going to hold myself to. I love it. Always our conversations take us to places I'm not expecting. <laughs> always. <laughs> I love that. I always learn things uh, I would never anticipate. So I'm so grateful, endlessly grateful for this process with the three of you. Before I wrap up, I have to give you the details of our giveaway. We are going to be offering a specially curated self-care box, which will include eight items that we personally use to help facilitate our own self-care. So I'm not going to tell you all of the items because for a lot of us, surprises are fun. Not all of us. (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to just give you a little teaser. The box will include a journal from Christine, a 20-minute that's me. <laughs> 20 minute yoga flow created by Aaron, mindfulness cards from Shadia, and Sarah's favorite teas. I do feel like it's important for me to acknowledge that self care doesn't require the use of stuff, right? You don't need to practice this uh, with the use of things. Um, but this is a way for us to connect with you um, and provide something fun. And just symbols of of ways that you can take care of yourself. So, and we're also hoping it brings you some joy. Here's how you enter. You can like us on Instagram or you need to like us on Instagram and Facebook at Pieces of You Podcast. Subscribe to Pieces of You wherever you stream your podcasts. And finally, leave a review. You'll need to complete this by Monday, October 4th. We will choose a winner post on our social media, and we'll message you via Instagram Messenger on Tuesday, October 5th. So we're really looking forward to hearing from all of you. Uh, So grateful for this opportunity to connect today. Thank you for listening this week, everyone. And thank you to my incredible co-hosts for your insights and wisdom that you shared today. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We release new content every other Tuesday. In our next episode, we will be discussing hyper-independence. You can listen wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also find us at piecesofyoupodcast.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Pieces of You Podcast. If you love our pod, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We would so appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. And remember, if we work together, we can make the broken better. When you feel like you need glue to put back pieces of you, then we will work together to make the broken better. When the wounds are fresh and new and you don't think that they'll heal soon, you gotta stay open. If you share your story, it will get better though it doesn't feel like ever and you'll get stronger